This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. On the Front Burner puts two no-nonsense culinary professionals on air discussing tough industry topics, interviewing fascinating food personalities, and providing penetrating looks at the industry that we love. We don't always agree and often provide compelling personal insights from a unique combination of life experiences. You know, it's a lively give and take. It's by no means conventional. Elaine owns Sweet Cheeks Baking Company and is a winner of the Food Network's Cupcake Wars and Fabulous Cakes. A seasoned industry professional, she is a cake designer and a certified sommelier. Don is a chef, an award-winning journalist, and a culinary educator. Together we take a not-always-pretty, sometimes funny, and always-entertaining look at the world of food and beverage. Welcome to On the Front Burner. I'm Don Williamson. And I'm Elaine Arditsoni. I think you lost your mind for a second before you were about to start I the think show I, today. I think I've lost my mind a long time ago. And one of the things I lose my mind about is food, as oh, you yeah. know. And you can't talk about San Diego without thinking about tacos. Oh, my gosh. People the best tacos in the world. People somehow associate San Diego with tacos. And one of the places that's been here for 30 years and just, I want to stop on 30 years before I go any further. To be somewhere 30 years yeah. in this dog-eat-dog, cutthroat, go-out-of-business-in-six-month industry right. is amazing. But one of the places that's been serving up great tacos and great Mexican food for 30 years is Lolita's. And we've got Dolores Jackson here, who is the president of Lolita's. And we're going to talk to her a little bit about what it was like growing up in a family that was Lolita's Restaurants, what that's become, and how she deals with that as a woman entrepreneur and a woman manager and executive. Dolores, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. It's so great to have you. I, I'm I'm really intrigued to talk to you about the whole evolution of Lolita's because uh, having owned restaurants myself in the past, just going from having one to having then two men maybe having three and now you have seven is that correct, correct. we just opened San Diego wow. last month congratulations thank you it's a huge evolution it's a big change right it is yeah but for people who don't know the history you started out how where when yeah so my family's been in the industry for over 50 years but my parents, Joaquin and Dolores Farfan, founded Lolitas um, in Chula Vista back in 1984. So we're going to be going on 36 years in January. Wow. So we started, obviously, as a small 989-square-foot uh, space over in Chula Vista. Wow. And especially tacos. You know, I feel like so many, so many times on the street corners you'll see, you know, it'll change by three letters, the name, the next time you look up and it's a new place, and then it'll change again and it's a new place. So it's incredibly impressive to keep something that going that long. And Definitely. Then, yeah. Right. And what, I want to know what, I want to know what the secret is to that. What, what do you think is the secret to that? Uh, definitely. Um, I think the food. Yeah. The food has really made Lolita's um, what it is today. Uh, my dad, they're all his recipes, mm -hmm. and he's always had a strong belief in good quality, great quality food, great quality produce, ingredients, um, making food from scratch every morning. Right. Um, making food from now. what? From scratch. <laughs> no no already chopped tomatoes, no already oh, made bags salsa. Of pre tree chopped Not onions. at all. Yeah. And we've actually been uh, fresh cracking eggs since the beginning. So that yeah. was interesting. Uh, we have a lot of concepts now that are 
throwing that out there, freshly cracked eggs every morning, but that's something we've always done. So yeah, that's, that's what we've always done in our bakery too. I'm always amazed when I find out people don't do that. Right. right. Anyway. So tell yeah. us a little bit about growing up in that family because you were a one taco stand family initially and Tell me how that progressed. Right. So, I mean, I was a teenager when my parents founded the business. So we were in school, obviously playing sports. We didn't see much of my dad because he was working seven days a week. Of course. Um, pretty much from open to close. So we didn't really know anything different. You know, it was always just growing up. Obviously, we'd go eat after our games or practices. or um, So for us, it was just normal. Mm. Um, was, he the, was he the chef as well or was he... Yes. Yeah. All the recipes, um, when, when they started, my mom actually helped a little bit in the, um, at the register area at the beginning for the first few months. Yeah. And uh, he was cooking. Uh, he maybe had a couple of other individuals that were helping him out. And all these recipes are from him. Does he have a signature thing that people go there and say, oh, my gosh, but you can't leave without the... His beans. <laughs> oh, really? Amazingly, his beans. So Everyone enjoys the beans. Again, that's a pretty... It's always an amazing thing. It's like when you go to a restaurant that seems really great, and then you get this lousy bread right. versus going to some place and you go, oh, my God, but the bread, insane. It's like the simple things that could make or break. It really is. And you mentioned the bread, and I always say the tortillas for the us. The tortillas, too. That's what's important. Mm-hmm. So we definitely receive our t- tortillas fresh every morning. Yeah. Um, it, it's a must. Yeah. You can't um, have, you know, tortillas sitting there for even a day. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't taste the same anymore. The texture, everything changes. Everything mm-hmm. changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how do you go from that high school student whose father runs a taco stand to suddenly having two or three facilities? You know, for my parents, I think it was just really going along with their growing family and wanting to feed not only their family, but now the community, you know, and we've always been involved in sports. So it was our first uh, clients were the parents at the sports fields, uh, the students. Hilltop High School was, you know, huge because our first location was right down the street, if you will, from Hilltop High School. So we always had that sense of community. We had, you know, our first uh, customers were were from the baseball fields, and they're really the ones that really, with the word of mouth, spread it. And uh, we just continue to be successful. That's and great. They, we've done pretty great since the beginning. Yeah, it so. sounds like it. And so how have things evolved? It, um, we were earlier before the show, we were talking mm-hmm. about how this is going to be the first time that you have outside of the family managing restaurants. When did that, when did that change? It changed uh, five years ago. Yeah. So five years ago, obviously, we're growing. Uh, we, five years ago, were coming into our fifth location. And there are six siblings. I have five brothers and myself. Wow. And so we had four of the siblings that were working in the operation, so in the stores, managing the stores on a day-to-day. Um, but as you start growing, you start needing a little more sure. assistance, you know. And going back to recipes, um, as I mentioned uh, to Don off, off record or we didn't have the recipes written down. We didn't have a recipe binder. Um, we had one or two individuals at each store, and being that family was there, they knew what those recipes were. Wow. So it was more on that, uh, you know, making your food based on that knowledge uh, versus having actual books. But as you're growing, that doesn't work. It becomes inefficient and Correct. difficult. Yeah. So it, I had to convince my dad to let me take those recipes, oh. and I told him I would protect them. You know, if I could write it's them like down. It's like the soup Nazi them. from Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting because I actually mentioned that to him at one point. Um, but yeah, it's it promising him that I would take care of them and protect them as much as I could. 
And uh, we did. We were able to um, create these recipe binders, and it's only been about three years. Wow. Uh, that we've three had out of 36. Yes, exactly. That's so, unbelievable. So and it, it was consistent. Helps. Do you feel like all of your siblings were able to make the same consistent recipe that your dad had made and now even before you had them written down? The consistency has been there, but it's also been a challenge every now and then. Yeah. I think that's kind of normal. Of course, um, we it's don't human. have Correct. Exactly. And because yeah. we do make everything from scratch, right. it is, you know, you would find the little differences here and there. Uh, our goal now is, you know, to make sure that we're following the recipes because that's another thing. You can have the recipe binder there, but it doesn't mean people are going to use it <laughs> if you don't make sure that they're using it. Yeah. So, but it's been very helpful, especially with training. Yeah. Um, having the GMs, again, externally um, come into Lolita's, we had to also teach them the Lolita's way. So a lot of managers come in and they know the administrative and they know how to manage Right. But we started seeing that we really were missing the food side, the kitchen side of it. So we went back and created a training to include the kitchen. So now all our management has to go through the process of learning the prep, learning the the kitchen, the line. And that way it makes them 100 you know, percent of knowing the company from front to back. It's great training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me, though, how was it being especially – one girl with all those brothers, you being the one to take over, you being the one to be the president, and you being the one to take over for your father, who had always run it. Definitely. Just very interesting. Um, I have my siblings, obviously, that have been working since it started. So I came in, as I said, just under 18 years ago. So it was never my plan, in my plan to join the family business. It just worked out where my mom needed a little more help with the business growing. She asked me to come and assist and taking it from there, you know, taking it, where are we at? What do we need? And as we started hiring more employees, as we started growing, the rules change, you know, and now we have to adapt to all the new things that are coming in. So just looking at that, um, working with my siblings, and of course, being an outsider in a sense, coming into the restaurant industry, not really knowing much about it, um, and just really getting to learn the business and I was on site at the stores daily for a few years. That gave me a lot more knowledge about the operations versus just the administrative side. And I think that's really helped me understand um, and have focus on what it is that the business needs as it grows. What would you say was the single biggest challenge you had to face coming in as president? The biggest challenge? I mean, it is a family business. So am I the right choice? Right? Uh, Am I the right choice? Questioning yourself. To... Um, I think in a sense, a little bit of questioning all around. Yeah, or as, worrying that they're you know, questioning. Just, right. Yeah. You know, um, but for me, it's just been a challenge. It's been knowing what my parents want, knowing what their expectations are, and making sure that I do my best to make these things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the dream is to grow, then what are we going to do to get us there? So my siblings and I have been able to work together um, in different areas. We all have different roles in the company. And uh, we, we've been trying to work well, you know, to make this happen. That's not easy. You know, you hear about a lot of families breaking up and never speaking again from restaurant, winery, et cetera. It, it's not easy. And I, I give you a lot of credit for making that work. Thank you. Yeah, there That's are definitely fun. dynamics, but it is. It is us getting together at the end of the day, mm-hmm. making sure we understand that our decisions are always going to be the best for the business. Right. So as uh, an executive of a restaurant chain, what challenges do you see that you're facing that um, 
you're having to deal with on a daily basis, major challenges in terms of moving forward, and especially now that you continue to grow? Some definite challenges that I see now, because um, even in the 18 years I've been here, it's changed so much. A definite challenges are finding staff, you know, finding mm-hmm. employees mm-hmm. Um, with the right skill set that are interested in the restaurant industry, right? That are not just coming and looking for a job to, right. you know, work a few hours and, and get a check and go home. Wages, obviously, of we course. see the increase in wages. How does that work with your business model? We've had conversations here about how the labor laws in California have gotten so really constricting. And um, I don't even know. Sometimes they seem to benefit the employee. Sometimes they really don't. And what are you finding with, with some of the crazy labor laws that seem to be hitting us right and left? For us, it's really just adapting to what mm-hmm. those laws are. Right. And they are challenging at times, yeah. and especially as minimum wage increases. We have to figure out how we're going to change our business model, in a sense, to right. be able to afford the minimum wage that's coming. And to be able to sell tacos at a, you know, as opposed to charging, you know, can't charge $20 for tacos. Exactly. And that's difficult, you know, to explain to our guests at times as well, because I think what we need to do is, is tell a better story about our product, about, you know, us buying great quality, you know, ingredients to make sure we have the best product that we're selling and putting out there, making sure our portions stay, you know, on point. Uh, Lolita's is not about huge portions. We're about a good quality item, yeah. you know, with with decent portions. Um, and we're trying to sell that to you at, at the best um, possible price we can. Of course. And uh, but yes, with increase in costs, with increase in wages and um, the changes, obviously, with the government regulations, you know, styrofoam going away. Yeah. Um, no straws. So looking at all of that and how that's going to affect the company as we grow. Um, is huge for us. And those are things that we're looking at now. We're even looking at changing things up without changing who Lolita's really is. What do we look like in two years? Mm-hmm. You know, if we're struggling finding employees to come into our, you know, into our uh, building, if you will, what do we look like in two years? Are there any changes we have to make getting ready for that? Right. Do you like, see yourself having to do things like, you know, you you pride yourself on everything being made from scratch, do you pride yourself in maybe having to buy that bag of cut onions and buy that bag of cut tomatoes? And that's key right there. That's definitely something that I've promised uh, my parents that I would try not to do. Um, we still believe that we can figure out a way where we can continue to make and and our product fresh every day from scratch, continuing to dice our own tomatoes, continuing to shred our own cheese. Um, that's something really important to us, and that's something that we definitely don't want to change. And we will do our best not to change that as times change. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 tough, boy. It's a it's a it's a really it's a crazy world, but it's also super fun. And I I would like to know what do you think are your standout yummies besides so the beans obviously are a, a big deal and the fresh tortillas. What are some of your favorite items on the menu? The beans are huge, but our top sellers are carne asada fries, the California wow. burrito. Wait, those are things that were a little bit newer, right? And those By are some newer. of you guys it, as the kids. Exactly. The and that's uh, yeah. where the older siblings came into play. That's what they started doing. So yeah. they kind of broke off. My parents let them run one of the second store for a number of years. And they were sneaking in some French fries. And I was going to say, that's what a Cali burrito is, right? When you Correct. put in the, the potatoes. Yeah. The main ingredient of a Cali burrito are the fries. Oh. <laughs> you know, so um, so they started sneaking those fries in and, and creating these products, you know, and... Uh, 
it took it took some time for senior as as I call my dad um, to be okay with that. And interestingly enough, they've become the best sellers. Isn't so the Callies, the Carnes of the fries, but then you have your traditionals yeah. like your Carnes of the burrito, your bean and cheese burrito, and the rolled tacos. Those are all our yeah. top five sellers. And where are you guys located? Okay, so you have the original in Chula Vista. Mm-hmm. And then where else are your locations? So we have four in the South Bay, which is where we've grown up. Mm-hmm. We have one across from Petco Park. Oh, wow. We have one up in Kearney Mesa. And then we have our newest at SDSU. SDSU? Yes. Oh, so you're actually close to me. I need to go check it out. Yeah. You do? <laughs> We're right on college in Montezuma. Oh, are you? Uh-huh. Oh, you're really close to me. <laughs> I work down in Alvarado Canyon. Right. Cool. And... You have your first salad on the menu. We do. Tell me about that. We do. So obviously with times changing, we have to figure out how without changing who we are, how can we introduce some items that may appeal to other individuals who are maybe watching what they're eating. You know, your kids don't necessarily watch what they eat, but sometimes the parents are trying to watch what they're eating a little bit. So after a number of years of discussing it, we were able to last year come up with a salad Uh, My food uh, training and development manager actually helped create that salad and created the dressings. And those are all made from scratch at our stores. Wow. And what's in the salad? So we have, it's a spring mix with romaine. Um, We have some chopped um, radishes, uh, avocado slices. You can have a plain salad or we also have where you can add a protein to it. And we have the tsunami salad as well. And that has obviously the steak and the shrimp. Um, and everybody uh, like a surf and turf. Exactly. Oh, cool. And then we have two two dressing choices. We have a verde vinaigrette mm. and a cotija. I'd a love to cotija. learn how to make those proper sauces. Mm-hmm. And so sauces. have those been good sellers? Most of our guests don't come in uh, to try salads, but as they've found out that we've sold salads, um, they have ordered them and they're they're becoming more popular. Well, like you said before, if you've got a team of kids coming after a baseball game and they're coming with the parents... And the parents don't want to just bring the kids, okay, all you guys, get your burritos, get your tacos, and then we'll eat later. I mean, this way they don't have to do that. They can all eat. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And they're, and they're good salads. And that was my thing. I wanted to bring in a salad, but I wanted it to be a salad that people are going to want to come and get. Yeah. Not just your basic, you know, green, you know, lettuce, you know, packed up, uh, but actually a good salad that people want to come and get. Yeah. What other considerations are you making given eating trends? Are you thinking more about vegetarian? Are you thinking more about uh, calories and carbs and that sort of thing? It's definitely something for us to think about. I mean, we're trying to move slow, but it's also the customization that guests expect, right? And it's how can we utilize our menu or how can we make some changes to our menu where it gives that guest a little more of the ability to customize So going back to vegetarian, you know, trying to look maybe at other options that are a little more appealing to individuals that have, you know, specific needs. Yeah. So the real question is, can you, in this day and time, charge enough money for what people perceive as an an ethnic or Mexican menu to make a living and stay in business? It's definitely becoming more challenging for us, excuse me. Um, but we're just daily trying to figure out what what is it. You know, you're right. There's only so much you can charge for a burrito, so much you can charge for a taco. Um, and we're really working on that every day. We don't want to cut down our, our uh, selection, if you will. Um, we use Choice Black Angus Beef. It's a certified product. Um, and that's what we're, we pride ourselves on. So how do you continue to sell right. good quality food without 
putting yourself out of business in a sense of by course. increasing your prices so high. Right. Um, so that's going to be challenging for us. And what are your thoughts about that? As far as the price increases? About how to do that, about, about how to continue to give the quality you, you've been giving at a price that people are still willing to afford. And, and I know there, if there was a magic answer, somebody would have it. I just wonder what you're thinking about in terms of how you might want to address that. For me, it's just going to be telling the story, educating the guest, um, helping them understand why it is that our product costs a little more. Um, it's it's important to us to try to keep the cost down, of course. We never like to increase prices. I mean, no matter what anybody thinks, we hate increasing prices. Every time that comes up on my you know, radar, I'm trying to push it off as much as I can. Um, but realistically, we have to, especially with the minimum wage going up. Right. Um, you hear about surcharges. Is that coming to our segment eventually. You see it at restaurants, but is it coming to the QSRs? Is it coming right. to the fast casuals? And more than likely, you're going to see that coming up soon. Right. And, you know, we've talked about it before, but not just the wages go up, the workers' comp goes up, and all the other taxes go up. So when someone's wage goes up, they don't recognize, the employee doesn't realize that it actually costs you double what that increase is. And the certainly the buyer doesn't doesn't understand. But, you know, there's no reason you couldn't sell a $30 burrito but I think you need to – if people understand what's in it, you know, yeah, they can go down the street. They can go over the border. They can go a lot of places that will be cheaper. But what are they actually putting in their mouth is, you know, often the question. You're right. And we hear that too. Um, we'll have some guests that leave for the same reason. They come back and say, no, the quality here is, yeah. is better and we're willing to pay the difference. And I'm not saying you're charging $30 for burritos, by the way. <laughs> not but yet. I, but I bet you could probably put a pretty good – Thirty dollar burrito on the menu, Possibly. and just set yourself <laughs> set yourself apart. Yeah, and, and I think that there's a whole another piece to that that we won't take a lot of time to go into. But folks think that for Mexican food, for Chinese food, for Thai food, for any non traditional or ethnic food, they shouldn't have to pay as much money. I know, isn't that funny? And why? And that's just a concept that yeah. I think has to be worked on. And that's why I like your idea about telling the story and selling that message so people understand it's still quality ingredients. It's still um, a certain amount of time and effort and expertise that has to go into that. And it costs money regardless of what you think. Right. It does. You're right. You're right. And it's from start to finish. Like we said, we have the employees that are in there every morning, um, you know, dicing, you know, the produce. You have from from start to finish. It's it's all about quality. It's about yeah. getting giving you the best product, and uh, we, we don't want to waver from that. Are you guys open breakfast, lunch, dinner? We are. We are open. Our, most of our stores are open from eight a.m. to ten p.m. Wow, it's a long okay. day. So you got thirty six years in the business, eighteen years with you there. How many years with you at the helm as president? Mm-hmm. It's been seven years. Wow! Okay. Congratulations! Thank you. That's outstanding. Seven years as president. Seven locations. What's next? Yeah, so it's it's just uh, strategic growth, strategic growth, and making sure that we grow right. Um, we don't want to overgrow to where we can't handle or manage our stores. Um, we're we're staying here locally, so we can have you know our daily visits if that's what's needed, and uh, we want to take care of our team members as well. So it all has to work together. We want to take care of our team. We want to take care of our guests. We want to take care of our Lolita's family, which is what we call everyone involved from the owners to the community, to our team members, to our guests. We yeah. just consider all of us part of a family. Yeah, that's okay. nice. One other question that goes right along with that. Started out with your mom and dad and then your siblings. Are your kids also 
looking to take over now and move in? Right now we have a few grandchildren that are just working there to um, to just make money for their gas, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. going to school, they're going to college, um, getting ready. Uh, but definitely if there's ever an interest with some of them, I would, uh, I would hope that they go outside, venture outside a little bit, get a little bit of a feel from other concepts. Yeah you know, other hospitality and, you know, areas. And so they can bring something back to Lolita, something new, something fresh that maybe helps us continue to grow as well. New set of eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. Well, it was great having you here today. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate that. I'm excited to go go check out the place by SDSU. Yeah, Yeah, it's great. It's like a good spot to to go. It is. It's a fun spot. We'll do lunch there soon. Great. Well, you've been on the front burner. We're glad to have you. Looking forward to hearing from you next time. I'm Don Williamson. I'm Elaine Ardizzoni, and we'll talk to you soon after we're eating tacos at Lolita's. Sounds good to me. And sushi.